agreement. That bitch tell your business, she's going to jail. You're suing her. Feel me? Versus somebody in the hood telling your business, it's clipped after that. Like, come on. Y'all gotta... It's tea to them. Even if that's your friend. Yeah, it be your own friend. These bitches want tea. All right. Don't say I ain't tell you. Shout out to Cleo Trappa on Instagram because she stay getting the girls together. Hey, Hunga family. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Hunga Podcast, a Philly-based culture and society podcast from a Black queer perspective. I'm your host and producer, Eric Cole, BKA Tennis Bay. Be sure to follow this podcast on your favorite podcast and social media platform by searching at Hung Up Pod. That's H-U-N-G-U-P-P-O-D. Make sure y'all check out the merch store. It's in the profile link. I just added some new shit, some really nice colors um, for the t-shirts, some fall colors, really nice premium, super soft cotton. So make sure you get your shirt. And remember, all profits go toward keeping this platform thriving. And when you get your merch, Take a pic and tag at HungUpPodMerch, and I'll feature you on the page. This week, I'm hung up on pretty much any and everybody who's dealing with an Asian parent, especially one, particularly one that's dealing with different or several health situations. For me, it's a really interesting phase of my life to be entering in so many ways. First of all, like this is <laughs> this is a first for me. Um and it just kind of happened out of nowhere. Is it wasn't really something that I had planned for even though you, you I mean you know you see your parent getting older, you know that they're dealing with stuff. But it's not until you are helping them get in that wheelchair, you're helping them get on that bedpan or you know what I mean like it's not until the shit gets real that you realize, like, wow, I'm really in this. And you really feel like your life, that change. I mean, it changes, I guess. Maybe some people would, you know, describe the feeling as a shift. But this is just definitely a first for me. I'm just not used to seeing my dad needing me in this way. And what's even harder for me to process is the fact that he's been needing me. But... His pride wouldn't allow him, or he just didn't know, he didn't have the language to, to voice that. And then on top of that, we had fallen out, and we weren't speaking for a little while. Going through this definitely taught me that even when our parents can't or won't say the things that they need, you know, a lot of times we can. You know, oftentimes we have the language, we have the training, we have the patience, we have the things that maybe they don't have or maybe you know they have it but it's just not as as developed i think the hardest part is getting over all the things you lacked or the things you you felt like you didn't receive as a child from your parent the apology that you may not ever get but making the decision to still be present for them 
And sometimes that's not your best interest. And some of us decide not to even engage. Listen, you have to do what's best for you and your family. And that's a difficult grown up (laughs) decision to make as well. Like to love a parent or a family member, anyone close to you know that they're in need. But because of the hurt or the drama or the trauma that they have put you through, you make the decision to not disregard their need, but to put what's best for you first, to make your needs a priority. That's powerful too. And for the rest of us who decide to step in and take on that role of being a caregiver or a part-time caregiver, we need boundaries too. And we need to not completely lose ourselves in the process. So I'm hung up. So let's get into some news. First, everybody's quitting. Everybody's going on strike. The people are sick and tired of being sick and tired. Here in Philly, the SEPTA workers are threatening to go on strike again. The last time they went on strike was back in 2016. Um, During that time, schools were open. And that created a whole bunch of other logistical and transportation issues. This time around, you have the superintendent basically coming out and saying, look, if we have to, we will shift to 100% virtual learning. So they're already um, beginning to make uh, plans, contingency plans, because it looks like they could be going on strike. It looks like November 1st. What's at the center of all this? A contract between SEPTA and the Transit Workers Union Local 234. SEPTA workers want better pay, better working conditions, and better benefits. SEPTA maintains, we're losing money, we're broke. They're basically saying we've lost over a million of daily ridership based on two things, the the COVID pandemic and everyone pretty much working from home, teleworking, remote. So, you know, what do you do? You know, families need to feed their children and and pay their bills because the the bills keep going up. The cost of living keeps going up. But our wages either stay the same or they're going down. Health benefits either stay the same or they're getting worse. The premiums are getting more expensive. So it's a valid argument to say, if you want me to come into work every day, these are the things that I need, the bare minimums to be able to provide for my families and live and be healthy. And you have SEPTA. And and, and this is the thing. If we look at what the executives are being paid, right? Y'all know where I'm going with this. There's money. The bonuses. There's money. These expenses that are being covered that probably don't need to be cut. There's, oh, there's money. So I see why the people are fighting for what for what they feel is, is rightfully theirs. And if they don't get what they want, it's going to impact a lot of people starting November 1st. But we see this kind of like panning out over the country over these past few months. There's really been this influx of people just turning in their they, they papers. 
and a key card and walking off the job or putting the sign up in the window. We see this a lot with the fast food chains. The, whole, I mean, the, the entire staff, if not majority of them, just walking off and putting the sign up saying, we just not going to work no more. They're just not. I mean, like, we can't keep doing this. The people are speaking up. What's going to happen now? What, what, what's going to happen? I wonder. I don't, I don't know. My hope is that the movement of the people will, will start to, because when it, this is the thing, when you start impacting the pockets of these executives and these people that are sitting on these boards, making all this money, because that's all they're worried about. They're not really worried about taking care of their workers. They want to know what's the bottom line. How can we make more and how can we make cuts so that way we can make more and profit more and retain more? That's what they're worried about. And we know that. I just feel like the days of the executives playing this role of fat cat, they're numbered. Because the people will not stand for it. And your business will just collapse. And then what you going to do? Hmm? Mm, I'm hanging up. I'm also hanging up on actor Alec Baldwin. This movie, Rust, director, Joel. This set from hell. I'm hanging up. So let me read a little bit to you from the LA Times. Um... Because y'all, y'all all in danger, girl. Because this set was not safe. This woman done lost her life. Let me So let me read a little bit to you. It says, actor Alec Baldwin was practicing removing a revolver from its holster and aiming toward the camera during rehearsal for the movie Rust when director Joel, I believe it's Souza, heard what sounded like a whip and then a loud pop. According to a search warrant, that provided grim new details about the final minutes of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. In the newly released document obtained by the Los Angeles Times on Sunday night, Souza said the weapon had been described to him as a cold gun, meaning it did not have any live rounds. But the gun discharged, striking Hutchins in her chest and Souza in his right shoulder, according to the Santa Fe County Sheriff's Detective Affidavit used to obtain a search warrant. Hutchins was pronounced dead at an Albuquerque hospital. So y'all, apparently it was all kind of issues going on right before the shooting actually took place. The article says, the shooting took place after six members of the film's crew walked off set after complaining to the production company about payment and housing, according to camera operator Reed Russell. So then the article goes on to talk about how, you know, they went to lunch. When they came back from lunch, Souza made a comment about, is anyone going to check the gun? Just make sure the gun, you know, doesn't have any bullets in it. Because blanks can also be dangerous. Is anyone going to check the gun? Okay, no one's going to check the gun. Okay, cool. We good. We're going to go ahead and move forward, even though no, no, no one's going to check the gun. 
The article then says, this is kind of interesting. The article says when they came back from lunch, a creeping shadow, the fuck, a creeping shadow prompted the camera to be moved to a different angle, according to Russell. At that moment, that's when Baldwin pulled out his gun and it discharged. Well, backtrack, he was preparing for the scene. So he was, the article is basically saying he was describing and he was showing them how he was going to pull his gun out and, and play the scene out. At that point, Hutchins grabbed her midsection, stumbled backward, and was assisted to the ground. This is a mess. And there's something, there's, there's some, there's a lot of stuff missing from this. And I'm sure it'll, it'll come out. All things will come to light as the investigation is going on. But it definitely sounds like there was some mismanagement. Um, probably some labor issues going on. A poorly managed set. Like, there's some issues here. Like, none of this, and what's a creeping shadow? Like, so rest in peace to Helena Hutchins. You will be missed and remembered. All right, so I'm hung up on Insecure, and I want to do a little recap because, hello, this is the last season. Season five, episode one is entitled Reunited, okay? First, the season opens up with Issa on the glow up. She's coming out in some couture. <laughs> um, the outfit was like, I like the bottoms. Um, the top was a little like, I don't know, interesting, but very Cali, I guess. But she came out strutting like the bad bitch that she knows she is. And just in Issa's style, though, her goofy ass, she gets in the wrong car. She's like, oh, my bad, my bad. <laughs> that was a really cool um, opening to the episode, like taking us back to the Issa that we know and that we love. But to kind of see her on her glow up. I mean, like, we need to. This is it. This is the last season. So picking up from where we left off last season, Issa, Molly, Kelly, Tiffany, and Derek are all headed to Stanford for their 10-year college reunion. Issa and Molly are playing it cool, but we all know that they're trying to, like, mend this relationship from this fallout from last season. So we're all, like, on the edge of our seats interested and curious to see how this is going to all play out. For some reason, here we go with Kelly. Stanford thinks she's dead, (laughs) and they printed her um, in the, it was like an alumni magazine, in memorandum a mess and so later on they head to like a mixer and they run into an old time friend her name is Cheyenne I think um they she was like a member of their they had like a college rap group and she's a little bit on the wild side (laughs) too much like it it was just a lot of energy to the point where I it kind of signaled to me right away like "Mm." What's this girl up to? Especially because she she didn't pay to get in. <laughs> she slid right in. I'm like, oh, okay, so she's an artist. Okay, like what what other tricks will she have up her sleeve? And 
<laughs> she ends up robbing them or setting um, Molly and Issa up to get robbed later on. Like, that scene was just crazy. But it was also, like, funny because they took Molly's shoes. Because you know Molly had on some. I, I don't know what she had on, but she, you, you, you know how Molly do. You know how she get down. Issa's little slides. She was, Cheyenne was like, nah, girl, you can keep those. <laughs> they didn't want to take her shoes. <laughs> They got in the car, her and Molly, afterwards and really laughed about it and had a moment, which was, like, weird to, because, like, I would have been scared. <laughs> but they they were able to, like, take that moment and, and laugh and connect, which is, you know, what we've been, like, waiting for them to do for a long time. And it couldn't have been forced. You know what I mean? It, could, it had to be natural. You know what I mean? Remember when Kelly told Molly um, earlier um, in that, episode she told her you know don't force it you know what i mean just show up for your friend and that's what she did like they they had that moment where they really had to be there for each other because this man literally pulled the gun out on them <laughs> he pulled the strap um so she got a little crazy so a big part of this weekend, particularly for Issa, is that she's a part of this panel. The name of the panel is called Finding Your Path. And there's about, I think, two or three other speakers that's on the panel with her. So a question comes up about finding your path, finding your journey. And on brand, <laughs> all the other speakers had so well, so beautifully articulated, you know, the things that they've learned along the way and how they were able to find success in their passion and what they were doing. When they got to Issa, she was just kind of like, she struggled a little bit at first, but then, you know, she kept it real. And she talked about how she's actually struggled with the choices that she's made. And at this point of her life, she's not even sure if she's making the right decisions. And that, you know, she can wake up tomorrow and be feeling completely different about everything and want to open a new chapter, start a new journey in her life. Her sh sharing that, um, you know, <laughs> a lot of people, like, we fucked with that. I mean, the crowd did, and they were all like, okay. <laughs> um, but it was just really dope to see that, and a lot of us watching connected with that, and that was a real moment, and we don't get to see a lot of that on these panels, a lot of people, um, like those other panelists, had these very cookie-cut, like, the perfect response. Like, you know they've been practicing it or they've been just reciting the same thing. A lot of these speakers, they just get paid to recite, you, you know, they get paid to speak, all this money. They just they say the same stuff over and over and over again. And the crowd just goes crazy. Oh, we love it. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Girl. You know, there's hardly any passion behind it. And Issa had that. So I appreciated that moment. Towards the end of the episode, they had a dinner. And they gave Kelly a eulogy over some stacked pancakes that she deserved. <laughs> they talked about how she had impacted all of their lives. And Issa and Molly also had a little moment there, too. And so it all ended with Kelly. She had a little moment that she had in her bedroom sitting on the bed. She was recording her podcast and she asked the listeners about, well, the question was, what, what would they do if they knew the end was near? So it all had like a come to full circle moment. And um, even watching Kelly sitting on that bed doing her podcast, I was like, that, that'd be me, girl. 
and the episode ends with Lawrence and Issa and we finally get that conversation that we've all been waiting for that is barely a conversation at all because when Issa got out of the car he drops her off she gets out of the car and she basically is like look I've thought about this and her eyes watered up (sighs) our eyes watered up (sighs) and she dropped that bomb and Lawrence knew and then then she walked off and so we'll see how the rest of the season goes the preview for the rest of the season was like really cool and I will be talking about it more in the show I'm hung up I love I love the entire cast I'm really gonna miss everybody Tiffany done pissed everybody off wearing the Ivies the AKAs the 1908 rocking those letters and she done pissed off the black Greek community and that's a black Greek it's like I see both sides of this I do I'm not really sure what's gonna come of all of this the because the AKAs they put out an official letter today saying that it was unauthorized and that they're looking into the situation whatever that means but I know that it's, it's, it's always been a sensitive spot for black Greeks for, you know for non-Greeks to wear their letters into Renelia. Like, that's not a surprise. A lot of y'all just dislike us anyway. <laughs> so this has just given the Twitter streets a lot of ammo and a lot of hot grease. But I, I get it. Like, I see both sides of this because it's also ridiculous to be that upset about a character, something that's fake, something that's made up, something that's not real. And yeah, they could have made up the sorority they could because come on now we know i i see y'all i see what you did y'all played right into that stereo y'all wanted tiffany to be able to play right into that stereotype of what the typical aka soror looks like and you wanted to use that to your advantage so don't be mad that you get a little bit of heat girl y'all know what y'all was doing but again it's just nothing i don't think it's anything to get that upset about like okay and so what moving on like we greeks be hella sensitive too sensitive overly sensitive about the wrong things when it's a lot of other things (laughs) that are going on in these organizational streets that we need to be just as passionate if not more passionate about okay so like let's get it together i'm hanging up so i'm gonna close out this episode with two things first i want to read something that i posted on the hung up hot instagram page and if you're not following with those notifications on already please make sure you do at hung up hot on instagram facebook twitter everywhere and that's at h-u-n-g-u-p-p-o-d so i want to read something that i posted a few weeks ago and it says it's really not safe out here for lgbtqia plus folk What gives me hope is seeing groups and houses forming all over the world, not only to see a reflection of themselves, but to protect one another. The strength, endurance, and resilience of our community never ceases to amaze me. I wrote that because I was really thinking about Lil Nas X and all this hype and hysteria around his online interactions with Boosie. And I just really wanted to, without shedding so much light on 
Boosie's toxic ass. I wanted to just really like share some love and some peace and some thoughts with my community because we really out here, the things that he's saying so boldly, the violence. I mean, what he's saying to him about trigger warning, going to commit suicide and you should hate yourself. I would too if I were you. Call him a faggot in all caps. And then you see the 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 retweets and the likes and so many people propping it up, laughing at it, making it a moment, making it a sensation online. It really concerns me because that is direct evidence of the, the violence that the LGBTQ plus community faces day in and day out as soon as we step outside. By you living and walking in your truth, it puts you in danger, some more than others. And I'm talking about my trans sisters and my trans brothers. So it just, to me, this is just not funny. It's not a laughing matter. And I'm really concerned, especially after this last episode, this past week, where Boosie was saying all this shit, like, it's just not... It's not cool. And outside of Lil Nas X, because, you know, he has he has a lot of things and he has a lot of resources that a lot of us, we don't have. Us common folk, we don't have. Now, that doesn't mean that he's he's still susceptible. Like, he's some, you know what I mean? Like, we still hope and pray that he's also safe, too. Because we don't know what's going through Lil Boozy's mind or Boosie's mind. We don't know what's going through a lot of his followers that are agreeing with him and have that hate and that homophobia and that transphobia built up in them. And they're waiting for a reason. You know? So I pray for that, brother. And I'm also praying for us, you know, because, you know, we don't have that... We don't have a bodyguard walking around with us. A lot of folks, we not strapped. You know what I'm saying? Or you're not strapped. (laughs) I'm working on it. I really don't want one. But, but, I mean, what else do you... I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy out here. And to think that it's not happening in your own community, in your own backyard, it's, it's naive to think that. It really is. It's so much violence. I mean, even you know, <laughs> human trafficking, sex trafficking, that's not that's not just happening down in El Paso, in Miami, and New York. No, that's happening everywhere. Little boys, little girls getting abducted here everywhere. Every day. So I, I really want y'all listening to Take heed. Be you know what I mean? Like, be aware of your surroundings. Protect yourself. Protect your spirit. Protect your your thoughts and your mind and your body and your family and your loved ones. Be mindful how you interact with people online. I've thought about that a lot, you know, like when you are a more visible public person, people feel like they have more access to you. For some strange ass sick reason. And you don't have to be a public person. To, to have issues like that. So y'all just protect yourselves. I love you. I appreciate you for listening. Relax your shoulders. If you haven't got look. Check out the store. I told y'all. Hit that profile link. 
I got the the mug, tea and coffee mug, relax your shoulders. I got the sweatshirts. I got the pullover hoodies. I just added a new design, pushing the gay agenda. And that she comes in some really cute colors. I added some tank tops. Like, go check my shit out, y'all. Support me, bitch. <laughs> this was fun. I enjoyed it. I appreciate y'all for listening. I just wanted to do something real quick because in a few hours, I'll be sitting down with um, Roderick, the DMV plant daddy. And we'll be talking about, for the boys, y'all know what I'm talking about. That amazing web series that just came out about a month or so ago that everyone is just talking about and for good reason so i'll be sitting down with him in a few hours to talk about that so let me hop out for here get back to work and i hope y'all have a good rest of the day peace and blessings and i'll see y'all next week